Hey, good people, and welcome to the Continuing the Conversation podcast. I am joined today by my good friend, Gordon Spivey. How are you doing, Gordon? Doing well. Good deal, man. Folks, you guys are in for a treat because Gordon has the... Um, the the great uh, well let's just say he will forget more about the Bible than I will probably ever learn. That's those are my thoughts about you, Gordon. Well, I I appreciate that. Um, I highly doubt the truth value of that statement. <laughs> um, it's a bit hyperbolic, but uh, uh, maybe. But but, but I feel but, the love. Uh, well, I feel it, the love. It, it comes from a lot of respect. So, folks, as you know, continuing the conversation, uh, the point of this podcast is to fill in the gaps. Um, we are in a, a series going through the book of Genesis. There are 50 chapters. Uh, we only have 14 weeks uh, to get through the book. So, obviously, there are things we're just not going to be able to hit on a Sunday morning. And this podcast, our goal is to, to fill in the gaps scripturally so that you as a disciple maker you feel empowered to walk somebody else through the book of Genesis or, or meet with your life group and, and help them grow. Um, so the first thing I want to just say, um, Carolyn did a great job preaching through Genesis 3 today. And Gordon, what were what were your main highlights? Well, I, I think one of the one of the great highlights that she hit on was the just in the the interdependence as part of God's design. Yeah. Um, obviously, the the highlight of that was um, uh, male and female as um, as, as partners. the image of God. Yeah. 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 Um, and 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 that's important to highlight that is it's 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 male and female. Yeah. Um, that were made together as the image of God. Um, but you know, there's interdependence all over the place. There's dependence on the land, and 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 humanity. Just um, as as everything is kind of connected. And as we're going to see, and as as we saw in uh, the message today, how how that interdependence is is destroyed, and and it, and it becomes shame. Yeah. Between yeah. Um, between man and woman, and yeah. And so so there's that place of like we were made for a relationship in so many ways. Uh, we were made communal. Yep. Absolutely. We're we're we live in a time um, in our 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 modernist. Uh, I mean, now we're kind of postmodernist, but individualism yep. is is really what we live by. Sure. Those are my rights, and you know, don't tread on me. And 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 these are these are good developments in history, but so often the developments and thought patterns of, of the way the world and society go tend to overcorrect. Yep. And uh, we're looking back on on when scripture was made as a much more of a communal time. Yeah. Um, I mean, life depended on that. Sure. Um, these days, it's so much easier to to think that, you know, it's okay just to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and that's kind of the expectation well, that's and out there. I mean, I would say, you know, it's interesting. She was talking about the, the happiest nations in the world, mm -hmm. and America it was like number 23 on the list, mm -hmm. and we champion um, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Mm -hmm. We champion rugged individualism. I think part of one of the highlights for me was she was talking about how we were made for partnership, not hierarchy. But then she said the hierarchy that God set up was God over humans and humans over animals and the land, not men over women, mm -hmm. that, that that hierarchy was a byproduct of the fall. Um, 
I would say another big highlight for me was just the idea that sin begins with the statement, did God really say? Mm -hmm. In essence, it begins with questioning the goodness and the character of God. And specifically in this particular situation, we're going to see this, it's it's questioning his intention. Yep. And at the heart of questioning that intention was that inner thought was like, do I have everything that I should have? Yeah. Do I have... You know, do I have the best for me? Absolutely. Um, which is very much an individualistic idea. Oh, no in question. And of itself. So that's kind of, that, that theme is playing playing in there. Um, she also highlighted uh, the idea of like free will and choice and, yeah. and how that ties into love. And won't reiterate that too much, but um, there is an area when it comes to uh, the tree of knowing good and bad and... Um, and the choice that I think uh, we can we can maybe drill down on that even a little bit more. Oh, um, oh, no question. Uh, the the thing about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is it's taking from God the right to determine what is good from what is evil. It is, and it is taking that into myself. Yeah. So so what's what's a good question to ask? And, and what's, what's always been kind of strange to me, and, and, and anytime, and if you're listening to this, it, it, know that it's okay to read the Bible and think it's strange, because <laughs> it is. Um, I really, I really wish our, our churches would would admit more um, how hard it is <laughs> to yep. read ancient documents. Yep. Um, but when you're reading something and, and it just stands out, it's strange. You know, slow down and be like, okay, what's going on here? Um, but the idea that here is. A tree of knowing tov and ra. Those are the, the Hebrew words for good and bad. Mm. And uh, and we could break those down. There's a whole thing on that. But um, it's the idea of discerning yeah. good and bad. Why why would not? Why, why would God put his image mm. um, in this cosmic temple that he's created, this creation, place his image inside of that, Tell them to rule, but then not allow them to have discernment between Tov and Ra, good and bad. You can fast forward to Solomon. Mm-hmm. So in Solomon's story, what, what 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 what's going on there? Well, why is he so blessed? Is because he didn't ask for wealth. He asked for discernment yeah. between good and bad, Ooh. right? Ooh, that's so, a great connection. So what's going on? Yeah, with this and. And it's always bugged me for a long time, and, and and I won't lie to the audience, I I am heavily into the Bible Project right now. Sure. And if and if you really really want to consider to continue the conversation, listen, Bible Project classroom, it's great stuff. It is going to go deep, deep, deep. Um, so go do that. It'll it, so many paradigm shifts with this narrative. But why is that? Hmm. Why is there a tree? Of good and bad, and God's like, nope, you can't have this. Yeah. So, if if you think about that, and, and and Carolyn's right, it's the choice. So, like every time, you know, every time that they're obedient to not taking that, there's something going on. Yeah. And it's obvious that it would be good for them to have that knowledge. So, what's at play here? And and I won't shake it out for too long. What's at play here isn't that God doesn't want them to know good and bad. Hmm. What's at play here is that he wants he wants them to listen to him yeah, for that. He wants them to know him first, 
and then through his eyes, through his wisdom, through his revelation, define what is good from evil. Um, that's that's really good. So yeah, it's like every time I see that tree, and 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 we find out, you know, hey, that looks good, and uh, and that's that's part of the trick, you know, that comes in there. Is like this this isn't a bad, right? I mean, I can get good, I can learn good and bad for myself. Um, well, the, I mean, the idea of them taking from the tree of the knowledge of good and bad is the idea of them saying, I'm going to define yeah. what yeah. good and bad yeah. is. Yeah. And I'm not going to, like, trust God to, uh, to specify that for me. It's like maybe he's holding out on us. I'll be like him, yeah. and I'll be able to define what good and bad is. Yeah. And what we're going to see is, is when we decide to do that, when we as humans, and, and, and let, me, let me just pause for just a second... These characters are not just characters from the past. They're also archetypal, which yep. means they set patterns that we see and play throughout all of Scripture and throughout all of our lives. These are these are us. Yeah, it, you, you know, anytime people ask me, you know, Chris, do you really think there were just these two trees and these two people and a talking serpent and all this stuff? So first of all, I wasn't there, so I don't know. But secondly, what I do know is the temptation of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil enters my life every single every day. Every single day. Every day. Um, any, uh, so obviously she uh, talked about how, um, you know, the enemy lies to us. He offers us um, uh, this idea that selfishness will open up choices, but she said mm. that um, obedience is the supreme mark of freedom. Mm-hmm. And the reason that is, is obedience... Um, gives uh, it gives me the opportunity to love. Mm-hmm. It just gives me the opportunity to love. Um, I often tell people that when you think about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, th- obviously God says, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. But death had not entered the world. So what exactly would that have meant to Adam and Eve? Here's what I know. If if you and I walked up a, a mountain and we're looking out over a cliff and I say, Gordon, whatever you do, don't jump off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to jump off the cliff, but that does not mean that you love me. You doing what I ask you to do does, does not not mean that you love me. It just means that you love yourself, or, or it could just mean that you love yourself, that mm-hmm. you want to preserve your life. So God, in some ways, tells Adam and Eve, don't do this. Trust me. For life and trust me to help you begin to learn what is good from evil. Um, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. You may not have any experiential reference point for that, but just trust me, it's not good. And do it not out, out of the sake of self-preservation. Do it out of the sake of love, that you that we're in a covenant relationship and um, and you're, you're doing it just because you love me. So we're in the ancient Near East with this. Let's let's not blow past the concept of wisdom as it's associated with obedience. Um, and, 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 and in what's happening every time uh, that um, that you decide to obey mm-hmm. is the growth of wisdom. Yeah, that's and good. you're becoming more and more uh with 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 every time you obey, with 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 every instance of listening to God, you're becoming more and more like God and growing in that wisdom. Which guess what that tree would be? Yep, yep. <laughs> you know. So uh, what we see is the example of 
rejecting that, potentially you, you could probably look at it like, you know, that's going to take a while. That's going to take too much trust. I'm going to just go ahead and go ahead and get, um, get what I want out of that tree. Um, but what, what we, what we see from the choosing, uh, wisdom for ourselves, attaining wisdom for ourselves is what follows in the world. Yep. Yep. Whereas the leaning on God for that would have looked like Eden. Yeah. Yeah. The garden of Eden. Yeah. Because, because what, what, um, extends out from that is good from evil is now defined based for the most part on its immediate gratifying factors for mm-hmm. me personally it's all about selfish self-gratification it's good if it benefits me if it's bad if it doesn't benefit me and of mm-hmm. course in the in the short run that could be uh i look at some guy's wife who i like and i decide it'd be good for me to have her so i murder him mm-hmm. uh in the long run it becomes i become a powerful ruler and then I see a neighboring land that I like. I think it will be good for me to have that land, so it will be good for me to go and kill my neighbors uh, and, and start a war. I don't want to jump too early in our conversation to Cain and Abel, but it's right there, yep. right after it happens. Yep. Um, wait a minute. You you uh, you gazed at, at, at his offering and not mine? Yeah, yeah. And well, here's how I'm going to handle that. This yep. is what's just. And yep. right there, that's yep. it, it's a mirror image of what just happened it, oh, inside absolutely. the garden. Absolutely. Happens to them, and, and we can get that in a minute. But but that's uh, you know that that's the image that we're talking about. That's yep. what we mean by archetypal. That's what we mean by uh, by these characters are us, and we live this story out every day. And it, and it's not always the same way. It's and it's not trying to say that it that it didn't happen or or what. No, it, it's this is the beauty of scripture. And how, um, how the the wisdom of uh, uh, of these narratives are going to explode into the rest of the biblical narrative, which explodes out into our lives. Yep, yep. Which which is kind of the more things change, the more they stay the same in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Well, so I do want to hit a few things from chapter three, and then I want to kind of focus on chapter four, five, and six. Um, and we kind of need to just really get after it. So Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sin, God begins to reveal what the curse is to the serpent, what the, what the curse is to the woman, what is, what is the curse to the man. Hey, before we hit that, yeah, I, I think there's something really important. Um, the way God approaches them. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, I mean if we're, we're, we're really trying... Um, hard here to 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 read backwards right you know we yeah. we live on this side of the cross and 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 so often we 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 misread the old testament because of that but um i mean how does he approach them he he knows what they've done yep and it should they he shows up and 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 how does he do it he says you know like where are you yeah who you know who are you what have you what have you done yeah um could could he have come differently? Could he have come with shame? I mean, he definitely oh, ab- knew absolutely. what was going on. Absolutely, but but he didn't. I mean, what are the other ways that he could have he, he could have come onto that scene? He didn't. He came in with this like triple invitation, um, and and it reminds me of like when my kids do something. Yeah, and I know what they did. Yeah, you know, and I'll just kind of ask. I'll be like, so what, what what were you up to? 
yeah. what was happening. Yeah. Because you kind of, you, you invite them yeah. to be able to, you know, I don't know, play it out or, or admit it in the right way. And we see that scene play out in a way where yeah. they don't, yeah. you know, it becomes yeah. a blame game. Because they're already operating in shame, mm-hmm. but notice that his punishment is not rooted in shame. He's not shaming them. They're just ashamed. And uh, so I, I think that's significant. Um, you know, I, I ask the question sometimes, what would repentance have looked like at that moment? You know, you just the biblical imagination. Yeah. Um, and, and, you, and you recognize the cognitive dissonance that's going on yeah. at that moment. Yeah. You know, hey, the, the woman you gave me, God, hey, the snake over here. And again, that's playing out in my life. Yeah. Right. Like I yeah. see that so often. Yeah. Um, so taking the two ideas of, you know, letting God be the definer mm-hmm. of what's good and bad. Mm-hmm. And then I see God's way of approaching Adam and Eve, even after they've blown it. Yeah. Um, and then I ask myself, how do I approach people when they've blown it with me? Yeah. 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 You know, because what voice am I going to listen to at that point? What choice mm-hmm. am I going to make? Am I going to say, I know good and evil, boom, yeah. and yeah. this is how I'm going to handle it, Yeah, and I'm going to give it to him? Or yeah. am I going to let his voice yeah. in this story speak to me Yeah, about how I'm going to even approach that situation? Not to ignore it, because being passive sure. is not the way to do it. He wasn't sure. passive about it. Um, but, he, but he approached it with mercy. Yep. And, and it's even... I mean, their eventual exile is even going to be, like, you know, merciful. Yeah, um, no question. And right out of the gate, you in uh, 315, you get what we call the proto-angalion, which is, uh, we call it the, the, the pre-gospel, if you will, where God says to um, the serpent, he says, uh, Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So this idea that um, there's going to be enmity between the, the serpent and the woman, um, but there's going to come a man who is going to crush the headship of the serpent, which is not just, oh, I stepped on the head of a serpent and killed him. Mm-hmm. It's no, no. It, the enemy now has authority, but there is coming one who will destroy that authority. But you're going to strike his heel. You're going to kill him. Like like in the process of him crushing your authority, mm-hmm. he's going to die. So let's take let's take that idea. So so we're pointing when we get to Jesus right away with that, we're pointing to the ultimate fulfillment of what we're talking about here. No question. But this idea of, of, of the woman and the snake being set against each other and their seed, like their offspring, yep. Yep. Um, that there's going to be enmity, mm-hmm. hostility between the two, is um, ultimately the sign of, of, of Jesus, but it's it's also a narrative kickoff, yep. a pattern yep. that we've actually already seen a little bit of yep. because the snake just bit the heel of Adam. Yep. And Eve, um, but this is the battle we're going to see yep. in the next chapter, because in the next chapter we're actually going to see uh, what looks like uh, the seed of the snake, and we're going to see the seed of of the woman in, in comparison. And as we go out, 
as we go through like all the kings, mm-hmm. you know, who who's going to be, as you're reading along, who's going to be the snake crushing king? Yep. And they all seem to fail in some way. Yep. But that's the pattern that the Bible's constantly looking for the answer to this question. No, no question. Where is where's the snake crushing king? Where's the one um that is coming from the line of the woman, which is the obedient line. Yep. And is is overcoming the ultimate problem. Now, here, here's one caveat. It's not there's gonna be in, there's gonna be hostility between the seed of the woman and the seed of the snake. But when that's handled, when the seed handles the problem, he crushes the head of the snake. Yep. Not the head of the seed yep. from the snake. Hmm. So there's is there gonna be people that are gonna be hostile? Yeah, Ooh, with that's each good. other. That's good. Um, yeah, yeah. But the problem isn't solved in the seed crushing each other. The problem is solved in the crushing of the snake's head. Ooh, that's really good. And uh, and that's. I mean, you can just you can see the theological themes flow from that, right? You know, no question. Some of the nonviolence that's coming out of that. Some of the peace. Some of the loving your enemy. Well, I mean, it's, um, it it is straight up. Uh, Paul talking about you know, it's not against flesh and blood. Yeah. Um, yeah, but principalities, uh, just those are the. This is the beauty of of the chapters we're reading right now. Um, who was it? Robert Alter talks about the economy of spare. So much is said in so little. Oh, no doubt. And no doubt. it just explodes as the uh, narrative goes forward. Yeah. So, so in the um, yeah, un- unfortunately, we probably need to use a little bit of the economy of spare to get through four to six in a in a timely fashion but um one one last thing to say about three and then we'll move to four notice if if you're doing recovery um notice that adam's first response to god on the other side of the fall on the other side of shame was a character defect Mm. the woman you put here with me Mm -hmm. She gave me the fruit and I ate it. It's blame. And so I, if, if, you're, if you're working your program, working your steps, understand that, man, shame is, is this thing that says that we are bad and character defects are how we know how to do life on the other side of the fall. Um, so we get to chapter 4, and uh, Gordon alluded to the fact that you've got Cain and Abel, um, it seems almost like Cain is this um, unrighteous seed, whereas Abel is this righteous seed. But the interesting thing is not it, yet. What's that? The the choice to be the unrighteous seed has not yet been made. It's it's coming. Right. The 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 thing thing that's interesting to me is this is really a worship problem. Mm-hmm. Um, Abel is he's given the the first fruits of his flock. Uh, fat portions, he is worshiping God. Cain is giving his rent check. Let me just give enough to kind of keep the landlord off my property. Uh, so, so this is very much a worship problem. Mm-hmm. And it's not God... Um, God is... He's not whimsically choosing to... Um, whimsical is not the right word. What's the word I'm looking for? Um it's- not random. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's grounded. In- it's grounded. He is choosing 
Abel's sacrifice over Cain's because it's it's a wholehearted sacrifice. Well, and I think it's also important to, to recognize, too, that it actually doesn't say that he rejects Cain's. Mm-hmm. It says that he gazes upon Abel's. Hmm. So, I mean, nothing that Cain gave would have been rejected in Leviticus. Hmm. But uh, the things that were mentioned about Abel's seemed like it made it just that much more special. The fat portions, the, yeah. the first... Well, it says he looks at it with favor. It, right, he, he looks at his at favor. That doesn't mean he rejects Cain's. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, it's this idea of the chosen one mm-hmm. uh, throughout the text. If you're the chosen one mm-hmm. in, in our world, mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. you might have a mark on your head. Hmm. So you know. te- tease that out a little bit. Well, um, in this particular story, what happens? Um, Abel's Abel's is seen favorably, and Cain is given a choice because of his anger. Mm-hmm. Says his face falls. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 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 uh, uh, red hot, or he's he's with heat. I can't remember how it's expressed in the Hebrew. Um, and then God comes to him and said, "Why all this? Why yeah. are you so upset? Yeah. Um, Why is your face down? Um, be careful. Yeah. You get to choose." Yep. And here's another choice between yeah. Tove and Ra, good yeah. and bad. You can yeah. choose. If you choose good, won't you be lifted up? Yep. But if you don't, yeah. sin is crouching at the door. Yeah, and, and you know, you get, to, you get to verse 6 and 7, and he's going, you know, sin is crouching at your door. It longs to have you, but you must rule over oh, it. Oh, yeah. I've heard it, that soon recently. It, yeah, yeah. And, and the, the thing is, what's interesting to me um. I think sometimes we just think that people are... It, it's tempting to think people are fated to do whatever they do kind of deal. Mm. But the reality is is the future of Cain now hangs in the balance because of God's grace. Mm-hmm. God's grace is creating a future for Cain that would not exist otherwise because what is God doing? He sees what's going on in Cain's heart, and he says, um, sin is a you know, hidden tiger, crouching dragon kind of thing. It's longing to have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm here to show you another way. Um, so I, you were talking about the chosen one. I don't think anyone is necessarily doomed or fated towards anything. Mm-hmm. I just think our response to the free grace of God is choosing what we become. Yeah, well, in, in, in this situation... Again, that's that's the idea of um, of recognizing that that Cain's offering wasn't rejected. It just so happened that somebody else did something more special, hmm. and and the anger arose from that. The jealousy arose from wait, why wasn't why didn't I why didn't I get that kind of attention? So so you would say so when it says when it says that um, on Cain's uh, offering God did not look with favor. Are you are you saying you don't see that as necessarily a negative? You just see that as he didn't he didn't get the favor. I mean, how many how many times do we see it even yeah. in, um, in uh, like two brothers? Mm-hmm. All right, well, mm-hmm. one of them's gonna be favored and get the get the inheritance. It doesn't mean that the rest are rejected or not. God doesn't love them or they're out of out of, out of the um out of the the story altogether. Um, it just means that in this particular instance, yeah, this was favored. Yeah, I mean, God, 
God doesn't ignore him. He doesn't just say, oh, just get over it, Cain. He, he gives him a choice. He's well, like, you can, you can go choose good. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing. This, uh, speaking of, of major uh, narrative thoughts that you begin to see, this is the first time that you're seeing the younger son favored over the older mm-hmm. son, and that will be repeated all throughout Genesis and, frankly, through much of the biblical text. But the thing that's, that, that's noteworthy is in this ancient world, where if you're the oldest son, you're going to get basically twice, double the share of the inheritance over everybody else, um, right out of the gate, God is showing us that he is not impressed by birth order. He mm-hmm. is impressed by the character of a person's heart, mm-hmm. by their faith, by their pistis, by, the, by their faithfulness to Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, and, and it's, it's going to be... It's gonna be Cain's choice, yeah, that leads him into the category of um, the snake's offspring. Yep, and and what flows in this chapter um, is we'll actually even see a genealogy, yeah, come up of Cain's line. Yep. So, what Cain does, he, he kills his brother. God comes to him just like he came. There's so many there's so many echoes from inside the garden to here, just like he did with uh um Adam and Eve, and talks to him and is is merciful. Yep. I mean he what he's done um later on will be a death sentence. Yep. And Cain responds, he's scared about what's gonna happen to him if um because the ground's now you know, cursed for him specifically, and uh, and if I go out there, somebody's going to kill me. And and God actually puts a protection on him, yeah. and 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 so much so that He said He's going to, you know, anybody that would try to would get avenged. It would be, um, you know, seven times. Yeah, one one of the things interesting is and notice this. It says, "Now you are under a curse." This is verse eleven, mm-hmm. and driven from the ground. In 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 Genesis three. The ground was under the curse. Right. Now Cain is under a curse. Curse with the ground, yeah. Yeah. And then and then you get to um I guess it's verse sixteen. It says, So Cain went out from the Lord's presence mm-hmm. and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So again, another an, another super repetitious theme in scripture is the theme of exile from the mm-hmm. presence of God. Mm-hmm. And so now Adam and Eve were banished from the garden, but they were still somehow, I guess, in the presence of the Lord to some degree. Now Cain is further removed from the presence of God. Right, and this is this is the East of Eden um, exile. Yeah, I mean they were out of the garden, but they still this this will be specifically, you know, that much further away. Yeah. Um, but the the mercy is so important right there with Cain because God doesn't bring retribution on him. And we have an example of God, I don't want to say overlooking it because he didn't just like passively overlook it, but, you know, he he, he, he didn't give Cain what he quote-unquote deserved. Yeah. Um, and then you see him go out, start a city, um, much can be said about that, all the way down to Lamech. Yep. Where in the example of Lamech, we see Cain like exponentiated. Hmm. Yep. So much worse. Yep. Takes on two wives... Uh, yeah. I, I, I necessarily will quote him, but he comes up with a with a whole rhyme that 
Um, you know, he, he killed a man and killed a boy for, for injuring, for him. injuring him. And then, and then he says, if, if, if Cain would have been avenged seven times, then me 70 times seven. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have an example of, of God being merciful. Yeah. But, but sin growing, but man just keeps on going. So I, yeah. I don't want us to miss the tension yeah. that's growing in these chapters. Yeah. Because this tension is a help wanted sign. Yep. The tension that's growing in these chapters between God's mercy and His justice yep. and His judgment. Yep. yep. Because this is going to keep going and keep going until you know what. Yeah. You know well, coming. and 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 that's that's where we need to get to. I'll say this: um, you mentioned that there's the building of the cities, uh, Cain's building cities in verse 17. That's a that's a re- another repeated theme in Scripture mm-hmm. of man learning how to provide for himself apart from God, and frankly, even in some measure, apart from his reliance on the land, Mm -hmm. um, because there's now kind of a a human-centric commerce, uh, which, you know, in this agrarian world was not was not as removed from the land, nearly as removed from the land as as we think of it um, in in our our day, but at the same time, it's, uh, that begins to be a theme um, so you get to five. Five's interesting in the sense that it's primarily uh, a, um, a just a walking through the line of Seth, but it, it begins with this idea of God created mankind. He made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them, and he named them mankind uh, when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. Mm. So now we've kind of moved from God making mankind in his image to Adam making a man in his image. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting shift there. Um, and Enoch is kind of the bright spot of chapter 5 because he walked with God and then he was no more because God took him away. Um, and then at the very end of the chapter, you hear of Noah, who um, his father, uh, as we like to say it in the South, Lamech, not Lamech. I don't know where that even came from. You have to talk to Tim Mackey about that. Uh, well, you know, tell, tell Mackey to come on down here to the South. <laughs> so we'll teach him some stuff. Um, so... You know, you, you, you hear uh, Lamech saying that Noah will basically comfort us in our painful toil. In essence, he's going to help us endure the curse. Um, one of my favorite verses of Joy to the World is, He comes to bring his blessing, make his blessings known far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the gospel... Um, the good news of Jesus Christ is constantly dealing with life and death, curses and blessing, mm-hmm. um, and and obviously in Genesis, man, that 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 working between the curse and the blessing is is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, then you get to chapter six, and we are introduced to all kinds of weirdness. Um, I mean, you were talking about the Bible being weird. I don't know that it gets any weirder than Genesis chapter six. And that's that's usually when you got to pause and think mm, something's something's probably happening with some repeated themes. 
um, with something that's trying to be highlighted from before um, where you have uh, uh, beings that are crossing over lines into chaos. Yep. You know, it's, yeah, it's, there's a, there's a thousand, there's a thousand ways to take six. Um, well, you, you, you start out with, um, it says that the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married any of them that they chose. So, so just, just to highlight what, what the uh, narrative does right there, they saw it. Mm hmm. Recognize that it was beautiful or good, desirable. Yep. And then what they do? They took it. They took it. Have we heard? Have we heard yep. that before? Yep. This is another tree of the knowledge of good and mm-hmm. evil. This is uh, uh, what a lot of people have referred to, and some scholars have referred to as, uh, you know, more more of the cosmic fall, or yep. not necessarily cosmic fall, but like um, um, an example of of more uh, Elohim or spiritual beings falling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I haven't well, done a ton, I haven't I haven't finalized thoughts on all this, but um, but there's definitely a repetition of what's going on and, and, and on a, on a higher level because it's getting crazier and crazier, and that's yeah. what we're that's that's what we're recognizing here. Yeah, is uh, humanity decides. Yep. I am going to define good and evil for myself. Yeah. This is how we're going to do it. Well, what and comes from that is is a a spiraling down of getting worse and worse and yeah, worse. Yeah. Well, and so from my understanding, these are probably angelic beings. Yeah, I would say so. And um, they are meant, as best we can figure, that they were meant to protect over God's created order, and now they are rebelling against God and... Uh, instead of protecting over his order, they are taking his order f- literally into their own arms. If anybody wants to chase any of those themes, uh, Google Michael Heiser. He's yeah, he's got away some now. good stuff. But uh, wow, I mean, his he, he just uh, he did a life of of scholarship on this um, that I've only barely touched myself. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but he's 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 uh, got some got some really interesting takes on it. The the interesting thing to me is it says that the offspring of these women were men of renown, heroes of old. Literally think Hercules, mm-hmm. think demigods, these kind of half divine, half human beings um who are now uh empowered to um in some ways, wreak havoc in the earth mm. at, at a at a higher capacity than a normal human being. So, mm-hmm. so they mm-hmm. they have the fallen nature or the the fallen brokenness that humanity has, but they also have power to live out that brokenness in a more amplified self centeredness than probably you or you or I could. Yeah, and and there's you know. And there's some overlap with some other stories from 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 Babylon here, and the idea that that the uh, biblical author is is pointing to um, uh, to some of these same threads, and 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 really, you know, um, pointing to the chaos that's brought about by uh, by these other empires. Yep. Um, that yep. are that are arising or are going to arise at any point in time. But you know, the 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 ultimate highlight is is like you said, it's it's exponentiating. Yep. Um, 
what's going to happen. You've got God's mercy. You, you see God, like, trying to be merciful. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. I am trying to be merciful. Yep. And this is what's happening. Like, um, you're merciful to Cain, and then Lamech gets even worse, and then everything continues to get worse, and he's going to have to do something about that. So, you, again, you've got, you've got this tension between his mercy and his judgment. And these chapters are saying, man, if there was only some way to solve this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? If there was only some way that justice and mercy could meet. Exactly. Uh, it could be embodied. Um, yeah, one of the things that much like uh, Genesis 4, uh, God says, my spirit will not contend with mankind for they are mortal. Mm. Um, well, where else have we seen his spirit contend with mankind? in uh, talking to Cain. And so there's this sense that what he was doing with Cain, contending with his spirit, he's been doing for all of humanity, trying to call them to repentance, call mm-hmm. them to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it says that that God grieved that he had even made humankind, which you need to think about that. If you have a very blueprinted version of God's foreknowledge in your in your mind, you ought to wrestle with this a little bit because it doesn't it doesn't play into those theological paradigms. We, we, ain't, we ain't got time for that, Chris. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but then, thankfully, Noah finds favor in the eyes of the Lord. Um, that's that's verse eight. All right, and then um, so I tell you what, I just want to hit some questions. Um, can I I want to I want to leave at least the uh uh the the, the cane I, I just kind of want to leave this section with one more thought. Yes. Lamech. Yes. cries that he would be avenged it's haughtily. I don't even know if that's mm-hmm. the right word, but he just um is just boasting. Hmm. Killed a dude no big deal. Nothing happened to Cain. Nothing's going to happen to me. Um, if he's avenged seven times, I'm seventy by. I'm seventy times seven times. Where else in the Bible do we hear that? Seventy times seven. Hmm. If you forgive your brother, uh, I shouldn't just forgive him seven times. I should forgive him seventy, 70 times. times seven. So we've got an Oof. example of wow. Mac who's wow speaking. Like vengeance, yeah, on and this Jesus level, and, he, and he's just that. picking he's just picking numbers that are like you know way out there, right? He's yeah. just being hyperbolic. And Jesus, I mean, he wasn't ignorant to that when he used no, that. He picked wow. it for a particular reason. That's really good. It's like what what happens when when you have the reunification of heaven and earth, the reunification of of uh, God and and man, um, God with man is is the mercy that you see God trying to trying to inject through all these stories. Yeah. Except because of the fulfillment of what Jesus has done on the cross, it's doable. Yeah. Oof. And you've got forgiveness on that level. Yeah. The, it, it's 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 the um the opposite side, the uh um to the level that Lamech was going to be vengeful. 
Like, no, you take that the other direction. Yeah. When you're following the kingdom of God, yep. that's that's the kingdom of the world. Yep. Yep. Right there. Yep. The kingdom of God is taking that amount the other direction towards forgiving and loving. And man, Chris. That's the good stuff. It's good, but it's right. it's so hard to hear. It's yeah, yeah. It, it it'll bring conviction where you don't want it. Um okay, so here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, that was worth the price of admission. If you don't get anything else, just hold on to that because that was really good. Um and now we really have to fly through the ending here. <laughs> so what elements uh in, in these chapters in chapters four, five, and six point towards Christ? Um well first of all, I think it's Noah finds favor in the eyes of the Lord. It's and Jesus um, becomes a man, has great favor with God, and he becomes an, uh, the main element of God's salvation for the many. So it's it's the one saving the many. And, uh, you know, Peter talked about um, Noah being a preacher of righteousness. Uh, some people suspect that it might have taken 100 years to build the ark. Mm-hmm. The point is... Is what does God have him doing? God has him in the middle of a world that has never experienced rain. He's out there building an ark. It's got to be a conversational piece. He's, I, I suspect that he is letting people know that God has declared that judgment is coming. So God's intention, I think, was to save more than just seven or eight people in the ark. I think it was to save a lot more than that. But that doesn't mean that we took advantage of it. But but all that being said, it's the one making a way for salvation for the many. Mm. Um, any anything for you in terms of elements that point to Christ? Um, just 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 re-highlight, just highlighting a couple of things that we've already kind of mentioned. Um, uh, the tension between uh, mercy and justice, you know, grace and judgment. Um, is is ultimately fulfilled on the cross. Yeah. Um, and I th- I think that's what is what really happening here. Um, I mean, you can think about how that tension launches out into the rest of the narrative, and then you've got um, you got the servant of Isaiah, uh, who's who. If you read it, you don't really know if it's a a person or representative of a community or a community. And Israel would would say that that's them. Yeah. You know, um, but when we get to the Gospels and we see especially how Matthew lays out, you know, Jesus is taking up Israel's mission and fulfilling it. Yeah. Um, we see that it's Jesus that merges mercy and judgment. And it's still hard, it's still hard for my human mind to even really, you know, grasp. Yeah. Grasp that in, in, or, in order for it to play out in my life. That's really good. Um, so... That's that. That's a that's a big one for me, um, and with that is what launches that level of forgiveness, that anti Lamech type level of forgiveness, and it's Jesus that's answering the help wanted sign. Um, Christopher J. H. Wright, he said that the uh, the Old Testament asks the questions that the New Testament answers. That's, that's good. Um, the Old Testament is the job description for the Messiah. Yeah, and. When you read those Gospels, uh, it's, I don't want to say checking every box because I like to resist that metaphor, but he is fulfilling every bit of, of that job description, which is launched 
from these chapters. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Um, so, question, how do these chapters reveal the gospel? Um, well, for me, these chapters are an excellent look at prevenient grace. Um, God, and you know, I'm a Methodist. So, Thank you, Mr. Wesley. So, yeah, yeah, we, we got to go with prevenient grace. In essence, God is going before. He is reaching out. Mm-hmm. And the, the big thing that's important to me is to recognize that God's reaching out is creating an opportunity for alternate ends of the story. In essence, Cain is not fated to be a murderer. Um, Cain, if he responds to God's grace, that narrative changes. Now, that's not to say that murder never enters the story, but it didn't have to enter the story through Cain. Um, And so provenient grace is a big deal. Um, The other thing I would say about how these chapters reveal the gospel is that salvation comes by God's plans, not by our plans. Mm. It doesn't come through the cities we build. It comes Mm. through a surrender to the Lord, which the ark... um, uh, Tim Mackey has a great video where he begins to talk about how even the construction of the ark um, in some ways resembled the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. It's it's a box. It's not really a boat. It's a box. Um, and then the, the, the thing, obviously we didn't get there today, but um, through the flood, God is cleansing the world of violence. Uh, it, and what's really important to think about is, do we want God to save us from our sin or in our sin? If, if we want Him to save us from our sin then we can uh, allow him to be creating uh, a new earth where there's uh, a world that is not tainted by our sin and not tainted by the sinful nature. But if we want him to save us in our sin, in essence, God, I don't want to repent, but I want to be saved anyway. What we're essentially saying to him is, Lord, you don't get the opportunity to cleanse this world Mm. because my violence my self-centeredness has to make it to the next world. I'm going to choose good and evil for myself. Yep. Yep. It's going to be my way. This is how this is how salvation is going to work out. Yep. Yep. Um for you, any anything that you want to add to that in terms of just how it reveals the gospel? So the question of the gospel would I I just would want to step back and and um just reiterate you know what the gospel is, which is a royal announcement. Yep. Um, that that the king is here, that the yep. kingdom has come with him, and if if that's our if that's the story of the gospel, you have all of the uh, the ruling elements mm-hmm. started here. You have the snake crushing king. Yep. Idea in uh, three fifteen. Um. I mean, you, you mentioned that as the proto Evangelion. Um, so uh, the the idea that that those narrative patterns are going to play out throughout the entire pattern, uh, throughout the entire uh, uh, story of the Bible, and everybody started the New Testament is looking around like nobody could do it. Yeah, nobody could. Nobody could. Nobody could fill this uh, this role. Yeah, and you know Israel as a whole couldn't do it. Kings and the by themselves couldn't do it. And here we are, 
um, Jesus does that. Yeah. He, 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 he fulfills the story. He fulfills the role. He's the snake-crushing king. Um, that announcement is the gospel. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, what we're seeing is uh, the beginnings of, um, of, of mapping out the need for him to fulfill that. Man, that's so good. So um, in a broken world, how would you use these passages to help people become whole through Jesus? So this is the question of you're in a coffee shop, you're mm-hmm. sitting down with somebody, y'all just read through Genesis 3 and 4. How are you going to use these passages to help people become whole through Jesus? And can can anybody not see themselves in these passages? Oh, my gosh. You know, like, I mean, for me, when whenever I read it and I see... I mean, I've got issues in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Hatred that I'm trying to like not lean into and live out of. Sure. Um, and then, and then I see the patterns yeah. uh, of of Adam and Eve and how they're gonna uh, blame each other. And I said, "Oh man, I did that yesterday." Yeah. You know, and uh, I mean, if I'm sitting in a coffee shop and and I'm I'm helping somebody see this, not blinded by all the questions we throw in these texts. Yeah. But but looking at it for the reason these texts were written. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's to launch the story of the Tanakh, of the Old Testament. Um, but it's for all those themes that are going to be launched in there. You can't not see your own struggle in life, your own struggle with mercy, your own struggle with, you know, pride, um, your desire to be wiser than the person next to you or, or you know, for your offering to be the most favored. I mean, come on. All you know, of those things. All I, of those I, I, things. Checkbox, checkbox. This is, this is Gordon. And so um, if, if, if I can see that so easy, I mean, I— I mean, I, I know there's other people out there that can't Well, I was going to say, if you, you, you really ought to spend some time just before the Lord going, okay, Lord, where does the tree of the knowledge of good and evil show up in my life? Because the truth is, it absolutely shows up in your life all the time. Just do you recognize it? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you recognize that sense of... I think I should be the one to be able to define what is good from what is evil based on how it affects me mm-hmm. rather than learning to get my life, the tree of life, get my life from Jesus, from time with him, from knowing him, and then allowing him uh, by the work of the Spirit in my heart to begin to help me understand yeah, that's not how God would have me use my time, or that's not how God would use me, have me use my money, or you know, et cetera. Um, I think I think a couple of things I would point out is, as we said earlier, you, you, if you're thinking about meta themes, Cain and Abel is the first glimpse of the younger son being favored over the older, um, but it just shows that God is, you know, man looks at appearance, but God looks at the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, the The other thing is with Abel and Seth is a glimpse that the younger brother, Seth, in some ways inherits yeah. Abel's place in the story. Mm-hmm. It's the older son um, because, you know, Abel's the middle child, but he's older to Seth. He 
in some ways takes the violence onto himself, and Seth steps into an inheritance. Mm-hmm. It's it, man. It's beginning to sh- you know foreshadow the gospel in that way. Yeah, I mean, there's you know there's a little there's a little bit of a resurrection idea there. Yep. yep. Um, you know, I mean, you probably wouldn't see it in, unless you're reading backwards. Sure. Uh, but uh, but uh, I, I mean, I, I, the elements are there, and it's not it's not the last time that God's going to do something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's good stuff. Well, you guys, I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope it's been a blessing to you. Our great encouragement is in a broken world, we help people become whole through Jesus. So soak this stuff in, absorb it, stay in the conversation with us, but also spread the conversation. Um, join a life group or uh, find someone and help them begin to walk through the Scripture and to know more importantly or most importantly the God of the Scripture. Be blessed.